The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. So first of all, Isaiah, you know, if you, he's, a, he's a son of a guy named Amos, just, you know, to show you should know. Uh, a prophet was one of these spokespeople for God, so they, um, they spoke on behalf of God to people. Not like a priest, a priest represented the people back to God, but, but, but a prophet, you might say, was God's spokesperson. Let me tell you what God is saying here, and let me, let me you know, what, what, he's, what he's about. And, and he, he, the main job of a prophet was not predicting the future. I know that some of us may have been taught that the majority of the writings or the, or the bulk of, of the prophets, and even the word itself carries this idea that we're going to know the future. That is not their main function. I mean, less than 5% I think it's like 3% of what, quote, the prophets talked about had to do with the future. And the future that they often spoke about was the immediate future of Israel. But the, their main job, and this might be helpful to, to, for us to remember this, is that was to remind them about who God was and the agreement between God and them. And the agreement between God and Israel, or let's just say God and his people, was that I am fully committed to you. All right? Let me, in fact, I'll give you a metaphor. I am married to you even though you're just dating me. And so often the prophet's job was to remind people, remember who you're married to and behave accordingly. Because this is a, this is a and, uh, some of you have been to the weddings I've officiated. I often talk about this particular metaphor that God uses to explain his love for us. The one that's almost never mentioned, and I think it's the most romantic, well, yeah, obviously it would be, but it's most lovely is, is the image of, of a man, excuse me, a, a groom and his bride on the wedding day. That this is the kind of love, this is the intensity, this is how I feel towards you, but all the time. <coughs> so this prophet uh, served under several kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, um, you know, that's not as critical other than just to say that that's who this prophet was. And when you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, he's warning people and encouraging people to remember their commitment to God as well. And so often he uses the phrase, woe to you, and woe to you, and woe is coming. And You know, it, it's a curse, you might say. One would say. If how can I put this? If you think of this as some sort of mean, angry guy who's, you know, and this is that's how the church has been. I, you know, I, I, you know on, on one hand, I, I get you. That, 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 is, that has been how we've come off at times. But I want you to think in this terms. If God is primarily love, this is how the scriptures describe him, is it possible that what he's saying is that, look, if you continue on the trajectory that you're on, number one, I won't stop you because I can't force you to love me, but no good will come from this. In fact, you know, I, sometimes I'm speaking to friends when they're processing stuff that's not so healthy. I said, you know, bro, you can do this. We're still friends. You're welcome at Mosaic Whittier. You're welcome in my home, but I'm telling you, no good will come from this. This is a destructive decision you're making. I'm not saying it because I have any issue with people enjoying themselves, I, I say it because I want someone to thrive and because I care. And this is, this is God's tone. Woe to you. If you do this, this will not come to a good end. 
King Uzziah, the one who's mentioned, the one that you might say was the catalyst in verse 1, his death that, that, that caused Isaiah to go to this moment to seek God out was, was actually a good king. He was 16 years old when he became a king. 16 with power, an army, uh, you know, little to no accountability, but he turned out to be a good guy. Justin Bieber as a king, you might say. Um, <laughs> Good morning. I did that. You're welcome. Uh, you're, I'm glad you guys are all back. Um, but he was a kind of king that, that, that because of, he, he was a um, uh, Zechariah, that prophet, was his spiritual mentor. And, and he was a good guy. He, be, he, be, he, as a young man, early, early, early on, began to be um, you know, sensitive to or open to moving into the rhythm of God's rhythm of doing things. And so as a king, his job was not the job of a prophet. It was not the job of, of a priest, but his job was to also protect the nation of Israel from foreign enemies, you know, uh, domestic and abroad. And, and, uh, but, but in addition to create the environment where he set the spiritual tone. So, uh, and I can tell you this, that in every single story of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, however the king went, so went the nation. So if the king was kind of a, you know, crummy dude, the nation became crummy. If the king was taking God seriously, the nation began to take God seriously. And he was, he, he was one of those kings that took God seriously. And so he would, he would practice the teachings that he was taught and imitate the life that he understood from God. So um, things worked well. God gave him success. And this happens to all sorts of people that have success. This happens, you know, the, I think people who are especially, if you're, if you're multi-talented, you're, you're, you're going to have a tough time with this. This will be the easiest thing that you'll do, and that is you'll become arrogant and prideful because things, you know, things go well for you. You don't have to work hard. You're charming. You're, you're winsome. You're interesting. You're compelling. You're talented. You don't have to do a lot. You don't have to put much effort to succeed. You just succeed. Or you're the kind of person that because you have been a good guy, you know, a, a, a faithful young lady or woman, and God opens doors and gives you options, what happens is that you begin to believe your own press. You think you are this amazing individual, when the reality is you're not different from anybody else. And so, unfortunately for King Uzziah, he became, scriptures say, very proud, very arrogant. And then it says in chapter 26 of Second um, Chronicles, you don't have to turn there, I'm not going to read it to you, but is that uh, I, I want to tell you so that when you read it, it doesn't sound like God is mean, okay? God, it says, struck him with leprosy. And so when you read that, you think, oh, man, yeah, there, you know, you step out of line, there's the lightning bolt, God hammers you. Well, isn't it possible that God was allowing him to see on the outside what had already taken place on the inside? You follow? And, and why in the world would he do that? I'm showing you I want you to be embarrassed, you awful human being. Or how about, I've tried to have this conversation with you for years. You refuse. I'm more concerned with your soul and your character than your comfort. Because this is just a few years compared to everything else you're going to be later. So if necessary, I'll allow this to happen as well to win you back. Now I think most of us have a warped view of love, which is, um, you know, it, 
it's never going to be, it's never going to hurt. Um, it's always going to be good. You don't have to work at it. How many of you are actually under the delusion that when, when you find the one, you don't have to work at it? <laughs> you remember when I had that, that talk, if you find your true love, don't marry them, right? Because chances are, it's not your one true love. You have an ideal this person is going to save me, make me something, and I'm going to finally be something once I marry them. And then you're going to marry them, you realize, when can I be single? What does the scripture say about divorce? How can I get out of this? What does the scripture say about murder? You know? <laughs> As I, my wife and I have often joked, now almost going on 33 years, divorce was never an option for us, but murder was always on the table. Sleep with one eye open. <laughs> and she's little, but I'm afraid. I won't lie to you. I'm afraid of her. <laughs> and I, I know when I've crossed the line, I will not sleep in the same room. I lock the door. I alarm it. Motion detectors. What do you mean you were going to slice lettuce in my bedroom here? There's, there's th- why, why do you have a knife? Uh, there's no reason for this. All right, I'm done with that joke. So, like many of us, Isaiah just experiences a moment where, you know, he's not certain what the future is going to hold. Now, here's why I, I'm going to suggest why Isaiah, quote, went to the temple. And that is, this was a good king. And in, uh, at that time, the, the, the kingship was, wasn't passed on to, let's run for election. It was passed on to his son. And in many cases, it seems that the next king after a good king was a rotten one. At this time, Israel is, is divided in half. So think of the Civil War period of our history, where there's the north and the south. That's almost exactly what's happening in Israel. There's the north and the south. There's two different ways of doing life. <coughs> the issue that broke up the nation at the time was uh, taxes, taxation. The issue for our country, of course, was slavery. But, it, but it, it, it cut the country in half. Up in the north, honestly, there wasn't a, a single good king. They were all rotten. The, the nation went further and further and further and further into the toilet to it got to the point where they were, um, you know, I mean, this is not exactly what it was like, but it would say, you might say, uh, on the way to church, they, they would allow their kids to be uh, sacrificed, killed to one type of God, and then go to church to worship God. So, so if you're like, on your way to church, you, you know, murdered your child because that was necessary for the God that you connected that way. And then you went to church to come, you know, because this is how you connect this way. And it seemed like that once a nation got to the point where they were able to murder their own children, God was like, I, I have nothing left to work with. And they, they were taken into captivity. The South was, was a little bit longer in getting to that place, but they, they had some good kings, but they had a lot of bad ones. And so I, uh, Isaiah, being a prophet on behalf of God, a spokesperson, recognized, man, you know, we've had a good king. He didn't end too well. Now what's going to happen? All right, so let's take another look at this. How often is it, and I've done this, how often is it that when there seems to be a setback, you know, y- you sure don't blame yourself, right? Like, you know, I should have planned better. I, I should not have done that stupid thing. We forget that maybe there was actions that we did in our past that now the, the, the future payoff is, has arrived and we don't want it, but, you know, no action has no... Con- there isn't a single action that doesn't have a consequence, good or bad. We all know that, right? So often when we have something we don't want, then, well, you know, 
certainly can't be my fault. So whose fault is it? Starts with a G. Right? I, I can't tell you how many times, and, I, and I, I'm not, um, I, I want to be careful how I say this, so, but I will tell you that almost every time that someone experiences a tragedy in their life, and, and, they're, they're, and if they're talking with me, why did God allow this? And uh, as a chaplain previously and here as a pastor, that, um, you know, that's, that's probably not the time to correct someone's theology. <laughs> you know, they're in pain. So before we get into that moment of pain, and maybe some of you are experiencing something, you're wondering why God allowed this, or does God, why is God angry with me? And, and we, are, we are creatures that have to attach meaning to everything. So when we experience an event, you know, is this the beginning, is this the end? Am I being rewarded, am I being punished? Right? We attach meaning to everything then why did, why did God let this happen? Uh, those of you who are parents, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. And those of you who maybe you've had kids or you babysat kids and nephews and nieces that you deeply care about as well, you, you kind of know what I mean when I say this. There are times that as a parent, you saw your kid doing something stupid. You know, mm, no good's going to come from that. That is not a smart thing to do. But you don't stop them. Why? Well, it's going to be funny. But the other reason is why, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Uh, because at one level, you want them to know that the thing you told them not to do, that they are hell-bent on doing, will have a consequence. Now, as long as there's not blood involved, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I told you not to stick the screwdriver in the socket, but if you insist, I, you know, you'll be grounded. You're, you're going to experience what the... <laughs> When you pay me more, I'll be funnier. But until then, <laughs> yeah, that was shocking. That in your <laughs> Listen, Sparky. So, um, so hey, 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 hey. I know you're angry, but I think I'll get you back. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm going to suggest that sometimes, we, I know you're thinking we're awful parents. I'm just telling you that there's sometimes you let kids learn the lesson on their own. You insist on doing this thing, okay. It's not because I want them to experience pain, but sometimes that's just the best teacher, isn't it? Have you thought that maybe it's possible that's also our experience? Now, I, I, I'm not telling you this is always the reason, and I don't even care to sort of uh, figure out what God is doing, because in many cases, let's just face it, we're just guessing anyways. But I can tell you that often now, when I'm having an experience that man, I really don't like, like, why are you bringing this to my attention? Or, why, you know, I know I, I can learn something in this moment. What should I know about myself and you? See, because many times when we, when it seems that, that God allows the props that have been holding us up in life to be kicked out, you really do find out who you really are. Why? For God to embarrass you? For God to, for God to say, like, I, uh, I always win? How about is it possible is that God wants to say, you know what, I, I've been trying to have this conversation with you. I've been not able to have it with you. So I just want you to experience this moment so that I can heal you. In fact, this is the place 
that you won't let me touch you. You've had those people who are in a moment of pain. You're, you're reaching out in love to them, you know, they're, uh, and, and you, you, you reach out, oh gosh, teenagers. Those subhumans. So those teenagers, the, uh, you're on your way to becoming a remarkable human beings. But, but there are moments that, that you know that they're in pain. This is how disordered and how crazy love can be sometimes. Look, I was a teenager once and I've been a parent of teenagers. I know both sides of that story. I know how it is to think that your parents don't care for you. But I, and, okay, sometimes we don't like you, but we always do love you. And even when we're lousy at it, we, we still do more for you than we do for our own spouses. And so when you accuse us of not loving you, it cuts. And we try to reach out from you, and then you recoil and pull back, it cuts further. Now I'm going to suggest to you that that's sometimes how we respond to God. That we're in pain, we're, 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 something has gone wrong, life just happens. And we're so unhealthy spiritually disfigured, dysfunctional, that when God approaches, we pull back from the one who does love us. Does that resonate at all? Okay. So Isaiah goes to this, this temple, has a moment, sees somebody sitting on the throne. By the way, John 12 tells us it was Jesus, but okay, that's a little side note. He sees these amazing creatures. Uh, he's having a powerful moment there, and, and the, his first reaction is that I am, I am a, you know, I am not a good guy. I am not a healthy person. Have you ever been around people that make you feel uh, not good about yourself? I mean, that's why I, don't go to, that's why I don't go to the gym. And when I see people working out, like, yeah, I hate my body, I hate my life, you know. Why did you give me this body? No, I, I, um, I remember once my daughter worked at Fred Siegel. You guys have ever heard of this place? Right, okay, the, you know, $600 pair of jean play sort of thing. So she was visiting us in Whittier, and uh, we were driving down Whittier Boulevard. She goes, wow, I forgot how normal people look like. <laughs> really? She goes, well, everybody's so beautiful there. I said, really? You know, I, it, she was right. I mean, I, you go there, you feel horrid. You feel like a troll. Arr, hello, how are you? <laughs> you know, you feel like Quasimodo. Can I ring the bell, you know? There's these amazing, you know, sculptured, artificially, com, you know, contrived human beings. They're just, you know, th they're the top 1% of the 1% that shop there, right? And so you feel like an idiot. And so, so if there's some people that you get around, you realize, wow, I'm, they're really tall, or they're really athletic, or they're really gorgeous, or they're really, really smart. And you realize you're, you're not as smart as you once thought, or you're not as tall as you once thought. You follow? All right. Now, if you're a a, just a normal human being with your shortcomings, your dysfunction, your darkness, and you're in front of the supreme being who's perfect, you're going to feel what? Wow, I am really dark. And that's what Isaiah does. He says, woe is me, I'm a man of what? Unclean lips. Here's what's funny about it. His life's work was done with what tool? Mouth. So the best he brought to the table on God's behalf, he says was, awful in comparison in, in, pr in the presence of God. And so then he curses himself. Woe to me. And then he does something even more interesting to me is that I think there might have been a place where God needed to heal him of something else. Now this happens to, you know, this happens to um, pastors is, is, you know, a really easy thing to fall into and anybody who has leadership 
spiritual care over other people. You know, there's the assumption that we know what we're doing. And those of you who are my closest, you know that's not true. I have no clue. I have no, no I mean, I've gone through my stuff, but so, so do you. I'm going through stuff, as are you. But the problem is that we can believe our own press, that we think, oh, I'm, I'm in this job because I know something that no one else gets to know. That's just not true. I'm just willing to make a fool of myself every Sunday. I'm an okay storyteller, but I don't bring much else to the table. I can't even dance. I mean, if you, I just, I don't, don't do that. You know, I drive recklessly. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of dysfunction. But you can believe that you're really something. See, and this is what happens when you're really, like, if you're hitting the sweet spot of your life in a certain area, you can begin to think that you're amazing in all other areas of your life. That's, that's also a problem when people make, uh, and I'm not down on people that have money, you know, good for you, don't forget to tithe. When you have a lot of, <laughs> oh, was that on? <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you have made a success of your life and you generate a lot of wealth, the problem is that you can think that you know everything about everything. You met those people? Because they, oh yeah. <laughs> just because you have a lot of money, it just means like, wow, you're a, you're a terrific business person. Maybe you know how to handle relationships and maybe you know a lot about education. Maybe you know a lot about fixing cars, but I can guarantee you don't know everything about everything just because you have a, a, a healthy checking account. But neither do I. And maybe Isaiah just needed to recognize he was not, you know, all that in a bag of chips just because he was God's prophet. Because he says, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips he completely connects to the community he was in. I'm not above the community, I'm part of the community. I am just like everybody else. <laughs> None of us are doing well. You've heard me say several times that we have two videotapes in our head. The one that we're an amazing human being. We're just, you know, in my videotape, I'm a combination of George Clooney and Tony Banderas. But funnier. That's even, that's, you know. In the other videotape, I'm Quasimodo and, you know, and, uh, I mean, and not doing anything well, right? And neither one of them are true. You guys do have the same thing. You guys have, a, you guys have two different videotapes playing in your head, all right? What I'm, what I'm trying to point out here is that in this particular situation, it, 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 there's a corrected view that God is trying to bring, which is humility. Humility is not pretending that you're not powerful or you're not talented or you're not, you, know, you don't have influence. Humility is recognizing these things that you do have but using them to serve somebody else. Using, them, using your gifts and your talents and your abilities to care for people around you. And, and if you, it, it, it's helpful to, to stop thinking in terms of you know, stronger or, or weaker. It's just you know, how can you serve other people? How can we serve Whittier? How can we serve, further serve Mosaic and the big vision that we're all trying to accomplish? So he, you know, Isaiah has this moment and now he's, what he's playing is the videotape is, I'm worthless, I'm an idiot, I don't do anything well, correct? Now this next scene is always kind of humorous to me because I find humor where you're not supposed to find it. That's my gift. I think if I saw this massive six-winged angel with a live coal in my hand, 
I'm thinking, no good will come from this. Wouldn't you hide? Like, you know, hey, hey, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he puts it to your mouth. You'd have to hold me down. You know, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> but the thing that is, it, it, the scripture says that the angel picked it up with tongs, but brought it in his hand. So I'm, I'm thinking anything that holds a live hot coal can probably, you know, beat me up. I mean, you know, if you, if you can hold a cigarette in your hand like that, you, okay, you win. Uh, you know, here's my wallet. Uh, take the car. <coughs> a frightening moment. Haven't you noticed? Well, I'm, I'm yeah. There, there are some things I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of getting beat up, you know. Not that it's happened, but I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> Okay, you have to get into a fight first. No, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm not, that doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, I've, I've had my, my butt handed to me once or twice, and, um, you know, that's okay. You can survive that. But I'm telling you that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to, to, to dealing with God. And I don't mean that it's like this noble way. I'm just telling you, this, that is the absolute truth. I'm a dishonest man when it comes to God. I pretend not to know something is wrong. And I think some of you do the same thing. When there's a hard conversation I need to have with somebody that, that I deeply care about or whose feelings I hurt, I know I hear God telling me, you need to go do this. I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I don't want to. And I know what that is. It's arrogance. It's pride. I don't want to admit to somebody, I've, I've hurt your feelings. I've, I've blown this. I said something that was, you know, like shocking, inappropriate. And, you know, I thought it was going to be funny and clever. I ended up, you know, wounding you. Like, you know, what an idiot. Yesterday, I spent, gosh, Three people I had to catch up with. I mean, I was... Do you remember those times when it seems like every conversation, every podcast, everything you're reading, is like, it seems like God's just hammering you, bam, you just bam, you enough, I'll go talk to them, you know? And, and I had to uh, apologize for stuff I had said and things I had done and, and you know, <laughs> I want to say no bueno, but it was actually very good. You know what it was? It was that live hot coal touching me in, in the place that I needed to be touched. And, and you know, here's, what, here's what's strange about this. Are, are you this way with, like, with medical care? I, I, are you the kind of person that only goes to the doctor when, like, when, when, when it hurts, you're bleeding, like you're bleeding from the eyes? Oh, maybe I should go to the doctor. <laughs> this, is, this is not good. Maybe uh, the, the discharge is further. You know, I, mean, I should maybe go now. I don't like going. You, you understand, I've told you about my fear of dentists because I think they're all criminals anyways, but the point is that uh, so I'm, I tend to go when things are in pain that are not, that I can't manage it anymore. And some of you do the same thing. You finally deal with stuff when, it, when it, the pain is so bad you, you don't have a choice. Addicts are that way. Most addicts that go into recovery, it's like, oh, I think I need to maybe have a problem here. No, I'm, you're missing teeth. You've lost your job. You've you crashed your car. Your life is completely dysfunctional. You, then you go get... I, I just realized that when, th when the pain of your mess exceeds your fear of getting healthy, you'll finally go get help. <clears throat> I think Isaiah was, I, I know, you know, we go to God with our agenda of here's what we need from you and need to hear this from you and da-da-da-da-da. And he brings up something else. You go, wait a minute, I, I didn't come here to talk about other people or my, my, my problem. You know, I came, I came for you to fix things, not fix me. It's the same way that we sometimes process uh, evil. 
Why does God allow evil? Well, why does he allow it in you? I mean, you know, we, we're concerned about the evil that God allows out there that affects people that maybe we care about or things that we care about. But don't touch my evil. Let me have complete autonomy when I make my decisions, even when they're destructive, even when they're crappy, even when they're petty, even when they're selfish. Don't touch this evil, but that evil out there you should do something about. Which, you know, comes from other people. Right, let me close with this. So here's what I want to suggest to you. Is that, um, you heard me say this at Elements. If you got the email that you sh you know, from us um, regarding the new year, the one in three thing, and here's what I want to drive home today. That each of us have been given different abilities and talents or strengths. The way you're just wired. If you're under the impression you have nothing to offer, uh, how can I put this? If you're under the impression that you don't have something to give to us as a community, you're believing, you, you've stopped believing something about God. When, when, when people hate themselves, when they hurt themselves, when they cut themselves, when they're angry, when they keep making destructive decisions, when they're selfish, when they use people sexually, when they, when they spend their money inordinately, and, and I know they're anesthetizing at some level because somewhere along the line they just stopped believing what God thinks about them. Let me say this again. Somewhere along the line, they just stopped believing what God really says about them, and they're believing some sort of distorted, disfigured, twisted thing of what they think God thinks about them. You know what was so amazing to me? The two out of the three people that I was just carrying this garbage, like just, you know, I, I need to apologize. They didn't even remember what I had done. One person did. I think that was worse. I, here's, and what was funny is that once that person who remembered what I did to them in Europe knew that I didn't think ill of them or didn't, no, it wasn't even ill of them, that I discounted him in front of somebody. It, it, his whole face changed. And I remember thinking, this is a grown man in military service. Who am I to have disparaged this man? Now, let me put this another way. Often when we recognize that God does care, he, doesn't, he isn't angry, it changes your whole disposition, gives you this new different energy. You follow? I, I think this is what we forget. God loves you. Happy with your decisions? Maybe not always. Uh, disappointed? Sometimes. But does that change his disposition, which is love towards you? No. If, if you're in a place where you're thinking, I just don't have anything I bring to the table, uh, like I mentioned before, you're, you're believing something about yourself that's not true. And you're listening to another voice that's dark. I'm going to suggest this. Get to that place where you face God one-on-one. -on -one. You know, it might be in a moment of prayer, you know, uh, alone, but I guarantee almost every, in every moment, it's almost going to be with somebody else. Then use your talent and gift, just one, 
Maybe you, maybe you love, I don't know, maybe you love doing research. I'll give you stuff for me to do. I mean, I'm a philosophy major. I, I'm lost. I need help. Or I, I, need, I could do better talks if you help me with research. Maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you, you, you're that person, you just like cleaning, you know, which is a cry for help. But you just like cleaning, you know. Great, there's stuff to clean. I mean, use, it could be a number. You love hosting dinner parties. Man, we're, we'd be happy to trash your home on a regular basis and let you excel in that gift. Use your one gift, but in three areas of your life, with your friends and family, at your work, and here at Mosaic Whittier. One gift, three places. See, this is, what I, this is what God did for Isaiah. He said, I've touched your mouth with this, so your guilt is gone. Your guilt is gone, and your sin is atoned for. And, he, and when he says, hey, I, who, who am I going to send? And, I, and, of course, Isaiah leaps to the opportunity to, to, to be involved. He doesn't punish Isaiah. He doesn't take the thing away from Isaiah. He says, hey, man, look, I've made it better. Remember, every one of your talents, every one of your gifts, every one of your abilities is colored and textured by your character. So let God work on that so that it becomes a, an amazing thing and, and, and surprise the heck out of us as to where God takes you. And become that person or that, that, that man, that woman who uses their gift or their talent or their ability. thing that you love to do in those three places. One in three. Family and friends. At your job. And here at Mosaic Whittier. Alright? Let me go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I, I do want to thank you that, that, that you are that you are good. And in many ways even though we've maybe not thought of it this way, that you're also safe. Because what, what seems to be injury to us is actually your way of, of creating that environment for us to be healed and uh, to be set free and, and to receive liberty from you. So I pray for my friends this morning, my, my family here this morning, that um, you help us not be those people who are afraid of coming to you when things seem to go south and better yet that we don't have to wait that long for things to go south to come to you that we would uh, make those regular commitments further when, when we're in those places that we're experiencing deep loss or disappointment or pain or confusion help us to remember at least one thing about you that you are love and, and that there's something redemptive and valuable that, that, that could be gained from that moment of pain. Most, you know, I guess most important is that we learn something about you and who you are, how good you are. So we, this morning, help us this year be men and women who use one of our talents, one of our resources, one of our abilities in three years of our life asking you to, to, to really <coughs> leverage that for us and help us to experience you in those moments for the sake of our family and friends who are not connected to you, for the sake of our friends, colleagues at work who are not connected to you, and for the sake of this community who is looking to increase your influence throughout the city of Whittier, La Habra, Santa Fe Springs, Norwalk. Help us to be those people who... Uh, are, are looking for ways to be close to you in our service. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier.
a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.